episode the triangle we scream at our tvs as dorothy and blanche test the limits of trust and friendship dr elliot clayton comes through the girls lives like a tornado and leaves a wreckage of anger doubt and reminders of why you shouldn't believe your new boyfriend over your best friends we're also going to be joined by very special guest christopher styler the author of the official golden girls cookbook he'll teach us how to make a slow gin fizz that when served We'll get those consensual hands around your tiny little waist. Actor Peter Hansen is playing Dr. Elliot Clayton. Peter Hansen was best known for his role as Lee Baldwin on General Hospital, but it was his turn as one of Dorothy's suitors that we all know him for. One of my favorite and perhaps the most underrated themes throughout Golden Girls is Sophia's love for adult films. There are several times she references getting dirty movies or she just outright watches them in the living room. I really admire her chutzpah for that. This episode doesn't stray from her healthy enjoyment of pornography as we start the episode with her scampering out the door to go to a friend's house because she has a fancy new widescreen TV on which they will be watching the newly available adult channels. I really hope that I have that kind of lifestyle when I'm in my 80s. Dorothy stops her from going as Sophia has been under the weather and a doctor is making a house call. From the 1940s through the 70s, doctors making house calls made up 40% of doctor visits. When it was realized the cost and efficiency could both be improved by not making house calls, they basically stopped, going to only 1% of visits. It had dropped so dramatically that even in 1985, the girls were relieved to have been able to find a doctor willing to do one. Now, though, there are programs in place for seniors that are unable to go to doctor's offices. And I just realized in reading this, they never acknowledge what was wrong with Sophia. That, that was going to be my question after you finished speaking is what what's going on? He pulled out a... <laughs> Use for everyone thermometer. He's just passing it around the neighborhood. The city. He didn't even appear to like have alcohol wipes. No. Just pulled it out of his pocket, pulled it out of the protector. Yeah. Took her temperature. From one old man's butt to her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, he just said, her temperature is fine. Take your blood pressure medicine every day. Yeah. That's doctrine. <laughs> but if it's blood pressure medicine, doesn't that imply that maybe what she was feeling was worth Going to a doctor's office or a hospital or something. Like high blood pressure? Yeah. Yeah. Like she, she was going to pop like a that, That's his question. His question is, have you been taking your blood pressure medicine? And she's like, yeah, pretty much as directed. And we never revisit it. Do they ever talk about her blood pressure going forward? There are. A, we, ha we have a few more doctor visits. She's an older lady. Mm. But yeah, so it is something that plagues her a bit. Speaking of doctors, this is another episode uh, depicting the show's obsession with the medical field. You're right. They, they are crazy. You're right, doctors. because, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of what the name of that episode was. Guess Who's Coming to the Wedding? Yes, in episode two, Guess Who's Coming to the Wedding, we have Dorothy so excited. Oh, my God, my daughter's marrying a doctor. And then Sophia, 
later in this episode, she sits there and goes, my daughter finally gets a doctor yeah. and he's a scumbag. It's weird. That's a really interesting point. Maybe it was just the times. It, I mean, I even experienced that not from my parents or anything, but there definitely, I think, exists in a woman's world. I think that idea of Mary Rich is always there. Do you think any parents will ever say, oh, thank God they're a podcaster? <laughs> <laughs> Right out of the gate, we're met with an oh boy when Dorothy points out that Sophia doesn't have any color because she doesn't feel well. And she responds with, I'm an old white woman. I'm not supposed to have color. You want color? Go talk to Lena Horne. Lena Horne, of course, being the famous black singer. Oh boy. Rose then tries to help Sophia feel better by providing her famous chicken noodle soup. Why is it we turn to chicken noodle soup when we aren't feeling well? Well, there are actual benefits to it. It's easy to consume and digest. The veggies have all sorts of vitamins and nutrients. The noodles fill you up, and the broth helps keep you hydrated while opening up your sinuses. I prefer a fake chicken and veggie broth version, but you get the same benefits that way, too. Blanche comes bursting in the door, loaded with shopping bags and body shame jokes, of course. Not to worry, as when she says the store only had petites left, Dorothy is able to zing her back with, Then what did you buy? Shoes? Sophia continues to make any excuse to get out of the house so she can go hang with her friends and watch porn. Dr. Clayton is a new doctor to Sophia as her previous doctor passed away. Dr. Clayton arrives and is a silver fox. Immediately, Dorothy is smitten with the handsomeness of the doctor. They get to business right away, interacting in a way that looks more like the de-escalation technique of crosstalk than a doctor's assessment, with Dorothy and Dr. Clayton just rapid-firing questions and answers about Sophia's symptoms and medications before Sophia butts in to advocate for herself and remind them that just because she's a senior doesn't mean she can't be talked to like an adult, which is a friendly reminder to everyone when talking to a child or elderly person, that there are people too, and they should be spoken to as such. Uh, what What is crosstalk? So crosstalk is used, I worked in mental health for about 13 years, and when working with clients or patients, especially little kids, sometimes you talk to the other adult in the room without talking to the child to not re-engage with them or to not get them upset again. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, let's say we have a kid right here that's acting up and is, you know, having a really hard time and doesn't want to be talked to. Yeah. Then I can talk to you and say, Johnny's having a really hard day today. He did tell me he didn't get much sleep and he's kind of hungry. So we're going to get him a snack. And right now we're going to just take some time until he's feeling better. And then he knows that he can check in with me. So it's kind of a way of providing them the information without engaging. Mm -hmm. But you have to be careful because sometimes... You end up like this episode and you start going, 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 well, what should we do and what does he need? And and you forget that the kid can say, yeah. this is what I need. And that's what they did here where mm -hmm. it's, what's your medication? What's her this and what's her that? Crosstalk. It's pretty handy. That's cool. I, I didn't know that. I you, you just describing that was comforting and soothing. I felt as though it was, it was de-escalating me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. You are quite escalated. Yeah. Usually. Just... <laughs> flying off the handle. I also noticed that Dr. Clayton is quite a winker. He's very winky. Uh, has has a wink ever worked on you? Oh, that's a great question. I don't... Mm, I can't think of any off the top of my head. It's normally a opposite effect. Yeah, it's normally a repulsion. <laughs> yes, it is. I like to wink sometimes, but in a very, like, over... Like, a, yeah. there's a finger gun, there's a click involved, it's mm -hmm. a whole thing, but... Yeah, no. Probably not. Also, I noticed... 
viewing it this time because Dorothy's teeth kind of get better through the seasons. Mm -hmm. And in the early seasons, another reason she always reminded me of my grandma, she kind of has that little bit of a dead tooth area towards the front. Ah, mm -hmm. And I noticed Dr. Clayton kind of has the same thing. I mm -hmm. think, you know, a bunch of smokers in the 80s, but. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, the time. They, they, had, just, uh, they had their matching teeth situation. Some, some dead teeth back there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to So listeners, hey, look out for those dead teeth and email us with any uh, dead tooth spottings that you have. Like Rihanna's tooth way back in the day. Didn't know that. Rihanna had a dead tooth mm -hmm. way back in the side. Big mm. smile. Mm. It's pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool. <laughs> As the examination continues, the flirtation between Dorothy and Elliot starts to build. Once Dorothy learns the doctor is single, she offers to take him around town. Rose naively butts in to invite herself before realizing her excitement was actually making her a third wheel. She covers with the classic excuse of needing to wash her hair, except in her case, it's every day for the rest of her life. While the plans are finalized between Elliot and Dorothy, Blanche swaggers into the room in a new dress she had just bought, asking the girls how she looks. Her arrival causes Elliot to do a double take, and he is clearly taken with her beauty. She swings her hips and makes her way to him, extending a hand to be kissed. She introduces herself, saying, Blanche Devereaux is French for Blanche Devereaux, when in reality, Blanche Devereaux is actually French for White Riverbank. Fun fact. Blanche wastes no time in making it known that she's attracted to the doctor, comparing him to one of her frequently mentioned Hollywood crushes, John Forsythe, whom was known for his roles on Dynasty, but for her it was the Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater, which I recently learned was real. For ten and a half years, major stars like Sally Field and Martin Sheen performed at the tiny theater in the even tinier Jupiter, Florida. Before Blanche can get her hooks all the way in, Dorothy informs her that she's called dibs and that they already have a dinner date set for the following night. Only five minutes into the episode and we have our second oh boy. When Blanche is attempting to justify her need to be with Elliot, she explains, but I'm a woman, he's a man. And Dorothy responds with, what am I, little Richard? That being a reference to little Richard's many years of androgyny. Blanche backs off, and Dorothy and Elliot solidify their plans. Sophia is cleared by the doctor with a reminder to take her pills as directed. Days have gone by, and Dorothy and her doctor have gone out every night of the week. Dorothy is still seeking validation from the girls when Blanche is able to sneak in a backhanded compliment about not needing to worry about looking good, as Elliot obviously likes her. And you really had some thoughts on that shirt. She comes out in a collared, stiff shirt, but kind of flowy at the same time. I would say something that like a casino dealer would wear yes. in 1985 yeah. or a, uh, mm, I would say like a local drug kingpin, <laughs> you know? A lower, not quite Scarface. Yes, like Jupiter, Florida level <laughs> drug kingpin. Yeah, it has, yeah. it had, the casino <laughs> uniform is a perfect explanation because it had a black base mm -hmm. with big colorful marks on it. Yeah. I've never felt, there's a few outfits Dorothy rocks, but I never felt like they dressed her for her. Well, that was the 80s. Curves were not allowed. So the fact that she was bigger, it was like, then we'll make you a fridge. No curves. Yeah. Blanche's comment about Dorothy's shirt leads for her needing to change, and Rose joins her in an effort to help. 
Blanche hears the door and, barely looking up from her book, glides over in a delightful green and purple frock, the kind that has the train starting at the shoulders on the back. Ooh, I really want it. Anyway, it's Elliot at the door, and Blanche explains that Dorothy will be out in just a minute. But before sitting, she offers him a drink from their rarely shown and usually only out at parties living room bar. He takes her up on the offer and says he would like something smooth and sweet with a little kick to it. Blanche offers him a slow gin fizz, which was a popular drink in the 80s. Slows are actually a berry found in England that is often used in things like beverages and jams. Oh, who could that be at the door? Hi, it's me, Chris Styler, diehard Golden Girls fan and author of the Golden Girls Cookbook. Let's pop into 6151 Richmond and see what the girls are eating and drinking today. Come on. Looking for something smooth and sweet with a little kick to it? I'm talking about the drink, not the bartender. How about a slow gin fizz, an old school cocktail and a favorite of Dr. Elliot Clayton? But if you're gonna do it, do it right. First, do not put your hands around Blanche's allegedly tiny waist, lest you end up being the one who gets manhandled. Second, spend a few bucks on good slow gin, made with real gin, not neutral spirits like less expensive brands. Good slow gin will set you back about 25 to 35 bucks. There's no need to go up to the 80 to 90 dollar brands unless the kinder, gentler government starts sending you a crazy amount of social security checks. Heyman's and Whitaker's are two brands to look for. For two slow gin fizzes, plunk enough ice cubes into a cocktail shaker to fill it. Add a half a cup slow gin and a quarter cup of lemon juice. You can use a little less lemon juice if, like Dorothy, you're tart enough already. Shake it up nice. And pour the mix, cubes and all, into two rock glasses. Add club soda to taste. That's where the fizz comes in. For added drama, Pour the club soda from a little bit of a height, like Tom Cruise did in Cocktail. Peeling yourself off the ceiling is optional. Cheers. Thanks for stopping by, Chris, and we're going to hear more from you later. When Elliot makes it clear he isn't asking for a drink, rather referencing Blanche, she becomes flustered. Not one to pass on a pass, she's kerfuffled as Elliot continues the cheesiness by checking her pulse via holding her wrist. He takes it a step and sexual harassment further by grabbing her hips and pulling her close to him. She easily takes the compliments he gives her, not surprised or shy about anything he says. As he continues to pull her close, she pulls away before punching him on the shoulder. This scumbag then acts surprised that a woman like her wouldn't be flattered, as if because a woman enjoys the company of multiple partners, she must enjoy the company of everyone. Blanche stands up for herself and reminds the doctor that he is no gentleman. Before her own feelings of being violated can take hold, Blanche stands up for her friend and reminds Elliot that he's there to take Dorothy out. He, of course, doesn't think anything needs to be said. And you know, revisiting that, it's almost more, it shouldn't be, you're here for Dorothy. It's, you're done with Dorothy. <laughs> I, I would have a really hard time not physically removing that person from the home and saying, you can't see him anymore. He's a bad man. Yeah, instantly. Yeah. Instead of, you're with my friend. 
Rose returns to the living room where Elliot, perhaps in a show of, look, I just flirt with everyone, says that she smells lovely. Rose is a bit more surprised than Blanche was at the compliments, only because she claims to be smelling of albacore tuna and pimento casserole. Dorothy soon follows Rose and is now dressed for a night out. Rose is the first to talk to Blanche about her gut feeling of not liking Elliot. Blanche confirms it with the slang term for a man that is basically all about sexual desires, a lech. Blanche explains what happened between her and Elliot, Rose of course being horrified and telling her that she'll have to tell Dorothy. This leads to one of my favorite exchanges in the entire series, mostly because I'm a sucker for wordplay and I love Blanche's stories, which are usually outshined by tales from St. Olaf. This same situation had happened to Blanche in the past, leading to a fallout between her friend Anderbo Johnson and her beau, as in boyfriend, Clyde. She lost Anderbo Anderbo. The southernness of the name Anderbo Johnson, it really reminds me of my actual great-great-aunt, Mississippi Almina. Rose doesn't have a relatable story so much as a vivid imagination, one in which Dorothy and Elliot get married, adopt a baby, Mei Ling, they have a coming out party at the country club, and then it's exposed that Elliot has bonged, I really love that term, every woman there. Rose uses this story to convince Blanche that she needs to tell Dorothy, even if it breaks her heart. Upon Dorothy's arrival home after her date, Blanche does the right thing and tells her what happened once again using the not very often used living room bar. Be it denial or jealousy, Dorothy straight-faced and cold-heartedly flat out does not take Blanche at her word. It was clear when they met, Elliot and Blanche, that there was an attraction. Dorothy thinks that Blanche is just jealous that there was one man that Blanche couldn't have. Dorothy stands above Blanche with a finger to her face and calls her a slut and that that is why she can't be a true friend to any woman. Dorothy goes so far as to call her a Jezebel, a biblical character that did some bad stuff, got a lot of people killed, and then was thrown out of a window. Now the word basically means any woman without a good moral compass. Dorothy has now slut-shamed Blanche and isn't even talking to her. Blanche is mad at Rose for convincing her to talk to Dorothy, so she's not talking to her. Rose tries to convince Blanche that she did the right thing, but it doesn't help. As opposed to talking to Blanche, Dorothy states she'd rather use Willie Nelson's hairbrush. Willie Nelson was, and continues to be, one of the biggest stars in country music, known even now for his iconic double braids that sit atop either shoulder. His pre-gray red hair was in braids when, in 1983, he chopped them off to give them as a gift to his friend and fellow country star, Waylon Jennings, to celebrate his getting sober. Then, in 2014, after Waylon's passing, the braids went to auction, selling for $37,000. So perhaps that hairbrush would have been worth something. That so far is one of my favorite facts to have learned on this. The Willie Nelson thing? Yeah. yeah that's really That incredible. he's like, here you go, buddy. you're getting sober, chop, chop. Here you, here you go. Here you go, friend. You've, <laughs> you've earned these. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you, Salute. what do you do with that? Uh, you put them in a little uh, shadow box on your wall. I like the idea of it being completely unprompted, which I'm sure it was. And never a conversation, not just like, these braids have brought me so much strength and I want you to have that strength. I picture none of that. Mm -hmm. He just gifts them to him in a shadow box. Yes. That's funny because that's how he pictured them. And then he just has them up because Willie comes over a lot. Mm -hmm. But then other people come over and they look and they have to be like, what's that? And then Waylon Jennings goes, uh, it's Willie's braids. Well, why do you have Willie's braids? I got sober. Why do you have Willie's braids? Because you're sober. <laughs> hey, let's go back to the first... <laughs> 
part where... I don't see how it connects, <laughs> sir. Did Willie say anything? <laughs> Rose, having already felt a bad vibe from Elliot, loses it and demands that the girls figure out how to fix the friendship. Dorothy won't and proceeds to the door, of which Elliot waits on the other side. Having had enough, Dorothy confronts him in front of the girls. He plays dumb and confused. Blanche stands her ground and he flat out denies it. Dorothy sadly goes along with the new boyfriend, take this as a lesson, ladies, over her best friends. Dorothy accuses Blanche of being jealous because she couldn't get the one guy that was interested in Dorothy, even going so far as to say Blanche has slept with half the men of Dade County, where Miami is located, which with a population in 1985 of about 1,706,000, that means Dorothy's implying Blanche has about 853,000 notches in her bedpost. The girls end the friendship and Blanche asks Dorothy to move out of the house. Rose is left alone to whimper. That night, Rose is in the kitchen as she can't sleep. So to help her mellow out, she's going to town on a huge plate of Oreo cookies. A few months ago, I was headed to bed and I grabbed a single chocolate dipped Oreo as a treat and I couldn't go to sleep for hours. Granted, I'm a sensitive Sally when it comes to caffeine and things like that. But holy cow, no wonder Rose was so full of energy. Sophia and Rose commiserate in the kitchen about the friendship troubles within the house. Sophia's take is to stay out of it. Here we get our very first Picture It, Sicily, the opener to Sophia's famous stories. She then tells the story of how she and her friend, Mama Celeste, were driven apart by a man. Rose says she can't stay out of it. She's a fixer, a helper. Sophia, still bitter from her own story, makes her way to the freezer to let her feelings be known to the former friend whose successful pizza business now has a stake in her own fridge. She opens the door, gives a chin flick of get lost, and says abbondaza, which means plenty in Italian. And you have a theory on this that it's like F you a plenty. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. Continue to F yourself in the freezer, mama. <laughs> It's the next day, and Dorothy has a golf date with Elliot, and Rose probably still hasn't slept after all those Oreos. As Dorothy leaves the living room to go to Rose's bedroom to borrow her golf gloves, as her own are already packed for moving out of the house, Rose sees an opportunity to prove Blanche right once and for all. This is also the moment we learn Rose has, but we don't know if she plays, a clarinet. Betty White then channels her character from the Mary Tyler Moore show, Sue, and goes full Blanche with her seduction. Rose closes the door behind Elliot and leans sexily on it. She ramps up her flirting, saying Elliot reminds her of the Italian singer Jerry Vale, who additionally made appearances in Goodfellas, The Sopranos, and Casino, and I will say, she wasn't wrong. Watching Rose in a pastel sweater, khakis, and subtly bouncing while trying to flirt is a pure delight. She uses her arm hair and tractor metaphors to really get steamy. She ups the ante when she offers to show him Polaroids of her in her tennis skirt, about as scandalous as it gets for sweet little Rose. Although it's never referenced any of that, and there are other times where sexy pictures come up, I'm wondering, did she take them? Is Rose just playing in her bedroom and setting up a Polaroid? Well, yeah, that's that's an, a question I have. I should have the answer to because I I was around then. Do Polaroids have a timer feature? 
if not, someone's taken those photos of her. If who, if that's true, then who? Blanche? Well, no, because they reference it later where Blanche talks her into going to do a boudoir photo shoot. And she's apprehensive about hmm. it, making it sound like she didn't. And if Charlie took them, her deceased husband. They're old. She, they're old. And she would never do that. She would never show Charlie pictures to no, somebody those, else. Mm-mm. Of the things she says, that's the one that's actually pretty hot. <laughs> that's like, yeah, because it's it's it just speaks the implications. It speaks of a lot of a lot of a lot more interest in those things than you would think she might. Have, yes, probably. Yeah, like she knows it's naughty. Yeah, she knows they're and that it probably and pictures. that it looks good. And the, and I mean, you know, tennis skirts, they don't leave much to the imagination. I mean, there you go. Mm. Balls and nets. <laughs> So, Betty, if you're listening, if you have any tennis skirt pictures, you should share them with the world. <laughs> Take some now. That'd be rad. And if anyone wants to send in a tennis skirt photo, <laughs> uh, always be my sisters at gmail.com. <laughs> or if winking has ever worked on you. If we get flooded with a bunch of tennis skirt pictures, I mean, that'll be great, really. As things get hotter and hotter, Elliot is the one passing on Rose's pass. She points out that he didn't have an issue in flirting with Blanche, at which point Dorothy walks into the room but is behind him, so he doesn't know she's there as he confesses to what he did. Dorothy, as crappy as a friend as she had been in this episode, is a pretty boss bee when dumping him. She simply has a seat in the chair, crosses her legs, flings Rose's gloves around, and demands he leaves for not only lying, but for making the pass and damaging her friendships. Even when he says he'll call her after she's calmed down, she's like, nah, we're good, boy, bye. She's never emotional, only rightfully upset with herself for not believing her friend, let alone supporting her friend that was in a very uncomfortable and unwanted situation with a man. Having learned the truth, Dorothy makes her way to Blanche's room, where, like Rose with the Oreos, she's going hog-wild with her perfume, spraying 15 times. Fifteen! I would die if I walked into that room. How could any man even get near her ears that have individually have at least three full sprays on them? And that's just what we've been privy to. How long was she sitting there sad and spraying? Is this the first bottle or the fourth? The implications. Dorothy apologizes as Blanche has moved on to adding to her already feverish blush on her cheeks. Dorothy walks across the hotel suite-sized room to one of many chairs and continues to apologize. (laughs) How many chairs? Like four chairs? Uh, oh, I can't think off the top of my head. I mean, she's got her little vanity and then she's got like, two, I think, two sitting chairs. <laughs> and she's like in between that is a nightstand and there's so nightstands funny. and then the hallway. For the room you sleep in. Yeah. She has a hallway in her bedroom? Yes. She has the wow. closet mm-hmm. that uh, Rose gets thrown into in the first episode. But then if you go down the back end of her room Mm -hmm. there's a little opening there's like a rounded doorway and there's a dresser there and then you turn there and it's her bathroom oh wow it's monstrous i guess it is the master though it's her place wait is this dorothy's no this is blanche's Blanche's, so it is the master yes the master yeah but the other girls rooms let's see rose has a bathroom i don't think dorothy does but they're all massive do you do you know if the or can you this is a this is a guess, but does the image of the house that they show in the credits match? Not There's at no all. There's no way, right? There are many floor plans. Oh, good. Oh, I would love to online see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to where uh, 
yeah, you look at that door and it's like, well, that's not possible. I mean, just looking at the front, if you look at the house, the actual house, yeah, there's the front door that you kind of go to turn into, which would lead to the living room. But the other issue is that at the front of the house is the garage. Mm-hmm. But in in the house, you have to go through the living room, back into the kitchen, and then out the back door, mm-hmm. and that's the garage. Ah. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's a very, it's a, it's kind of its own Winchester house of mystery. Yeah, it's like it's, yeah, it's bigger on the inside. Because then they have yeah. one where they're redoing the bathroom, mm-hmm. and it's also monstrous, and you, you're kind of not sure where that is. It kind of jumps around a little. It's like so. the size of like a Russian bathhouse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> Blanche's understanding, as it happens to beautiful women like Elvis's wife Priscilla Presley and Susan Anton, famous through the 70s and 90s for her roles in film and TV, including Baywatch. Dorothy's apology is accepted and they hug it out. Rose bursts in to join in the hug. Sophia soon follows behind, but not to hug, but to have the girls sample pizzas, one being her recipe and one being Mama Celeste. Without hesitation or debate, the girls all choose Mama Celeste. We end the episode with Sophia yelling to the girls, you can't pick men and you can't pick pizza. It's beautiful how the show was able to create highly emotional moments without it resorting to stereotypical crying or a woman having woman troubles. They allowed everyone to be sad, angry, and sorry, while mostly using words to express all of it, not theatrics. While Dorothy never should have taken the word of some guy she just met over her friend, we've all been there in some form. Perhaps it's sharing your time between a partner and your friends. Maybe it's moving away to start a family instead of staying where your friends are. But the most important part is that we know we will always be there for each other, and there's nothing we can't work out if we just communicate. As always, thank you for listening, and thank you for being a friend. Uh, did you have anything to add to that? I'm just thinking about poor little Mei Ling. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that her coming out party was ruined. (laughs) And now it's time for our golden goodie of the episode. One of the most beloved aspects of the Golden Girls was their oh-so-relatable love of food. Whether straining over a special sauce for hours or grabbing some ice cream from the freezer, the ladies were not afraid to snack. Well, now you can officially eat like a Golden Girl with Christopher Styler's official Golden Girls cookbook. With over 30 years cooking experience, Christopher brings more than 90 recipes to life. Order yours today wherever you get your books. There's also a link at alwaysbemysisters.com under Golden Goodies. Just click on the picture of his cookbook and bam, now you're the one putting Mama Celeste in her place. Speaking of Christopher, here is his love letter to the girls. Hi, Chris Styler here, author of the Golden Girls Cookbook and longtime fan of the girls. Like so many Golden Girls fans, I can watch episodes over and over and never get tired of them. The writing and the acting are just that good. Joe, my partner of 25 years, got me into watching the show right after we met, and that is one of the many great things that have come out of our relationship. I can't tell you how thrilled I was to be asked to write the cookbook, a dream come true for this Golden Girls fan. Well. Gotta go. Got a cheesecake coming out of the oven. Have a golden day.
the 1940s to the 70s, doctors may... Blanche wastes... Blanche. <laughs> Blanche. Oh, yeah, like a little shell, the little shells, like a shells and cheese. Yeah, or the little, the little micro. They're like the long mm. tubes, but if you cut them tiny. Long tubes, but you cut them yeah, tiny. Yeah, a hole in the middle. Mm-mm. Rotini? No. Medidine. Time. I don't know. <laughs> I will Google it and show you. Please do. Fusilli. <laughs> no. Spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> it was Waylon Jennings a drinker? Or was it? Um, I feel like it was probably a lot of a little cocaine, too. I feel like country guys like cocaine. Yeah, the 80s country. Mm. I would guess it was a mix. Probably mm. some, maybe some pills in there. Oh, yeah. Smash them up like yeah. uh, Star is Born with your boot. It's my favorite part of that movie. Yes. <laughs> Sadly, I guess. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> they, have, like, <gasps> they have like chicken sandwich flavored Oreos. <laughs> They're like, the cookie tastes like chicken. The middle tastes like mayonnaise and pickles. With added gain. <laughs> Febreze and gain. <laughs> Oreos now with gain. <laughs> That's the future we want. I want gain in everything. Sophia and Rose commiserate in the kitchen about the friendship troubles. Troubles. Why can't I say troubles? Troubles. My big dumb buck teeth. Got to call bite right now. I have an emergency. I have a buck tooth emergency. <laughs> As Dorothy leaves the living room to go to Rose's room to borrow her golf gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Always Be My Sisters is written, hosted, and created by Alicia Holland. Produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Always Be My Sisters is a Cascade Media production. You'll always be my sister.